today. Stephen's going to take a look at private health funds and how, well, what they've been doing to assist their members during the COVID pandemic. And we'll be speaking to Edward Close about that. We're also going to chat with Henry Jennings and find out what is going on on the market with the companies. And we'll start off with our general overview of the market. A Thursday Finance and Stephen Pritchard, well, yes, the market goes up, the market goes down. Any exciting things to report at the moment? Uh, not really much excitement. I mean, the, the gold price was down um, $4.43 an ounce to $2,669. Yeah, it's still a bit, isn't still it, for your ounce? still a bit if you've got a bit. Yeah. Um, got a bit of gold. Uh, yes, 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 a bit of gold. I mean, a few tonnes, right? And uh, the, the crude oil price was uh, $57.96 a barrel, which was up $2.02. Mm-hmm. Um, Australian currencies continue to strengthen against the US dollar, or rather the US dollar is falling against other countries. Okay. So we're $73, uh, 73, $73.83 at the end of the week. But at one stage during the week, we touched 74 cents, which is the highest it's been for a while. So I'm just wondering whether we're going to get back to dollar for dollar again. Mm-hmm. Um, and against the Great British Pound, we were 56.31 pence. Mm-hmm. New Zealand dollar, we were $1.08. And the euro, we were 61.82 mm-hmm. euro cents. Um, the equity markets around the world were generally up. Um, the All Northern Rouge was up 56.9 to 6,146. The S&P 500 was 3,385. And the UK market, the UK FTSE was 6,073 and 48. So equity investors are feeling a bit wealthier. And locally... Stocks, yes. Some of the local stocks that you invest in, Joe. Well, tell us. us. How are they doing? Um, BHP was up a dollar and two on the week to $38. Uh, CBA was down a dollar two to sixty-five dollars seventy. Uh, NIB was up seven cents to four dollars twenty-eight, and and Telstra was another three cents down to two dollars eighty-five. So Telstra mm. continues to drift away. Yes, it is. yes. And the fuel price was up oh, ten cents in Newcastle to a dollar twenty point nine, and Sydney a dollar twenty-four point four, and Diesel Newcastle a dollar twenty point eight, and in Sydney a dollar sixteen point six. No, I thought we saw that fuel price was falling last week and yet suddenly a day or two later the price at the pumps went up. A long weekend must be coming up soon. Yeah, maybe that's it. That's your prediction, isn't that your... Holidays should be next week. Well, I think... think, End of next week? Yeah, I think probably a lot more fuel's getting sold because because the jets aren't using much fuel now, are they? (laughs) <laughs> oh, you mean the actual and, flying And jets, where are you yeah. going to go on holidays? If you're from yes. Sydney, you're probably going to come up here and annoy us or go down to the south coast and annoy the people down in the south well, coast. I think they're probably doing I that. Sus- I suspect that Nelson Bay is going to be very busy over the long weekend. Thursday, finance and taking a look at the market with our market update. Henry Jennings joins us from Marcus Today and Stephen Pritchard. Well, our usual in-depth questions, yes? Our usual in-depth questions that Henry can always answer. <laughs> Hopefully, anyway. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, so, so which, which this wasn't really a surprise, I suppose. Centre Group's uh, looking to raise $2.7 billion to uh, show up their balance sheet. Um, well, no, yeah, well, it's not really a surprise, is it? I mean, <laughs> um, it's one of the companies that I guess has been identified as a problem in terms of their gearing levels and their balance sheet. Many of the property trusts 
have been uh, under some pressure. Many have raised money. They have actually uh, done a hybrid bond issue um, this morning. So um, that's, that's going to take some of the pressure off. Um, I guess reopening the economy would be quite good, but they have raised um, three billion US, which is 4.1 billion of uh, subordinated hybrid notes. So um, they've got uh, 15 billion US, 60-year non-call, six-year subordinated notes, a coupon of 4.7 percent. So they're borrowing money for 60 years <laughs> at 4.7 percent. Um, and yes, so. Um, it's um, interesting. Yeah, 60 years is a long time, Henry. It is. I think it's going to see, um, unless there's some massive advance in medical technology, certainly going to see you and I out. And everyone who's running West uh, set And all the fund managers as well, yeah. So, yes, yeah, yes. one and a half billion of 60-year uh, notes and, and with a six-year um, clause and one and a half mm. billion with a 10-year clause at 5.1%. So, yeah, you're mm. borrowing money relatively cheaply for a long period of time. Yes. And then speaking of raising money, IWF's capital raising to, uh, to acquire... IWF. Independent Order of Oddfellows. Yes. Decided to buy MLC, which stands for Mutual Life and Citizens. Oh, I didn't know that. Did you? No. That's oh. A, that's, oh, there you go. There you go. There's you always something, something new there. every day. Yep. Yes. Yep. Mitchell Life Citizens. Yes, wow. Mitchell Life and Citizens. Wow. Okay. okay. Well, you've beat Ass- me in the font of knowledge today. Assurance, assurance Company, I think it was. Uh, anyhow, um, so IWF was raising money to buy that, and the issue price is below the market price, so um, yep. it's not going to be raising. They're going to go to the underwriters, I imagine. I would imagine the uh, the underwriters are going to be on the hook for this one. Yeah, three dollars fifty um, was the uh, entitlement uh, price that they're raising the money at. Unfortunately, the stock is trading at three dollars twelve, so that um, is a little bit underwater at the moment and not very um, satisfactory, I guess. The jury does seem to be out on uh, the MLC purchase. Um, I guess we've seen these kind of company transformation deals before, and. IWF had uh, a lot of uh, angst in bedding down an ANZ purchase, which mm-hmm, t- mm-hmm. seemed to take forever. Uh, and obviously, the market is concerned that an MLC will be s- similar. Uh, and I guess the the problem is it's 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 always hard with financial services mergers because there is a, a cultural issue at play here, and, and just merging two uh, different cultures and different risk management and different ways of of investing money. Is, is sometimes mm. not all that easy to say the way. And the thing you're buying, um, the assets usually tend to walk out the door every night. And of course, that mm. doesn't happen anymore because they just walk from their home office to the, mm-hmm. um, the kitchen or the lounge. But um, in the old days, you know, your assets were very portable. So, um, yeah, the market very much um, sceptical about the benefits of this deal at the moment. So I think IWF needs to get on the the front foot PR-wise and, mm-hmm. uh, and hit, the, um, hit the brokers up and try and get them to, um, to do something for and, them. And, of course, Lion Dairy and Drinks was going to sell, uh, which is uh, the 
Brewing Company from Japan. Uh, mm-hmm. It was going to sell their, their lime dairy and drinks business to some Chinese company, and the Foreign Investment Review Board knocked it back, and now Bigger Cheese is looking at it. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I guess this is one of those, um, those good assets um, that uh, comes up every now and then, and if the Chinese can't buy it, and of course we do have a bit of a fractured relationship at the moment with uh, with China to some extent, certainly in this space anyway, with the dairy space. Um, and as a result, it may be that Bega gets, uh, gets a bit of a, um, not a freebie, but um, a little bit of a clear run to, uh, to buy this one, which would probably be not a bad thing and certainly would uh, enhance the Australian-owned offerings in the, uh, the dairy aisle, that's for sure. Yes. Uh, come there aren't that many anymore. Uh, Bega's also in the Vegemite aisle and the peanut butter aisle. Yeah, well, that's true, isn't it? They, they bought that back off craft. And we're in the middle of our market update with Henry Jennings. And uh, Stephen Pritchard, you said something about Macquarie. Yeah, Macquarie came out during the week with, with, with a bit of a surprise announcement or announcement mm. the market wasn't expecting um, to say their first half profits expected to be down by $320 million. Mm. So that's a, that's a fair bit of money. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Um, yeah, this is this is, I guess, very unusual for Macquarie because it has had a record of um, at least sort of uh, matching guidance, beating guidance, and I guess some people saw it as a bit immune to uh, the COVID. Um, but unfortunately, it, it does appear that it, it's not COVID-proof uh, in many respects, and its annuity business seems to be suffering mm-hmm. uh, on the back of this, the funds under management side of things that they've got, and a lot of the, the profits. Well, not a lot of the profits, but some of the profits certainly come from recycling deals um, and uh, selling those on and making profits there. Um, I mean, they are the ultimate deal makers to some extent. And, and certainly these, these numbers were not particularly um, nice in that respect. I, th- I think a lot of people are happy to give them the benefit of the doubt at the moment, at least. But, um, yes, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise, I guess. And I think may- maybe the surprise was the magnitude um, especially given that um, you know we've had we've had serious volatility, but we you know a lot of markets have bounced back to uh, mm-hmm. to, to where they were, and in some cases you know Macquarie's got a very big U.S. presence, and um, you know that that market's bounced back well, and there's a lot of activity going on, there's a lot of deals being done. Mm-hmm. I, I guess that the sign was a couple of days before the announcement was that they were letting go 70 people, only 70 people, but in the U.S., which compared to some of the other banks around the world is, is nothing. But uh, just just downsizing a little bit, that U.S. business may have been a bit of a, a signal that all was not quite as well as people had thought at the Millionaire's Factory, that's for sure. Mm. And then down at Webjet, um, both the managing <laughs> director and the chairman are selling their shares. Uh, yeah. Um, this, uh, well, it, you know, they, they've been selling some shares. They had some uh, issues with their margin lending facility. This is where you oh, borrow. This is where you borrow money against your holding. And of course, uh, when you see extreme volatility and your holding gets marked down in terms of valuation, then it does tend to um, spook the people mm-hmm. that are lending you the money mm-hmm. on your shares. So it did seem to come about as they sort of. Um, readjusted their um, their leverage and their risk in uh, in terms of their portfolio both the, the um, CEO and the chair but uh, yeah not a good sign but um, you know webjets and the, and the travel stock sector at the moment is still trying really really hard to get itself back up off the mat 
after uh, after COVID, and of course, I'm, I'm sure if we um, saw Victoria opening and we saw a vaccine, then that would certainly help matters. But um, yeah, it's, it's never a great sign, is it? No, and then another one down at Cleanaway, the CEO has been selling shares there as well. Yeah, well, not only has he been selling shares, which um, is, is one thing, but there's been some some pretty nasty press about mm-hmm. his behaviour as well, um, which, um, you know, the company says they're taking very seriously, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, and there were some claims made about his behaviour. Uh, this is uh, Vic Bansell is the gentleman's name. Um, and he's acknowledged it should have been better, which it probably should have been. Um, and, um, yeah, hopefully they can... Um, they can get on with the uh, the business of making money, but certainly has taken some of the shine off clean away, that's for sure. Mm. And then uh, Rio Tinto has had a few problems and the CEO is departing there as well. Yeah, they have to stop blowing up culturally significant heritage sites, I think is the answer. Yes. It really wasn't. I don't know whose magical idea that was or who approved that. There's certainly the internal review and the inquiry doesn't really seem to have got to the bottom of it, but it has claimed some pretty high-profile um, heads. And I have to say, Rio kind of rehabilitated itself for a while under um, Jacques, um, but unfortunately Jacques is, is, is now going, um, albeit slowly. He's doing a slow kind of walk of shame, I guess. Mm. Um, but one of the problems that Rio's had is that it is, a, um, to some extent, a London-based company, and they are a little bit sort of divorced from the reality of uh, good practice here in Australia, it does seem. And the government did come out, actually, and say that the next CEO um, should be Australian mm-hmm. and the next chair should be Australian, and they should look to more Australian-based directors. And Rio basically said, well, we'll appoint the best people regardless of nationality. Um, and the stock price hasn't really suffered dramatically because of it. It probably hasn't performed as well as say Fortescue or BHP, but it's still hovering around $100 level, but certainly was uh, a pretty terrible um, indictment of the mining industry to go around buying up these sorts of sites. Okay, well, we'll be back next week and see what other exciting things have uh, yeah. occurred in the world of finance, Henry. Mm. Have a great week, Stephen. Thanks, Henry. You too, Henry and uh, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today with our in-depth look at the market. Thursday, finance. And Stephen Pritchard, we're very privileged to have with us Edward Close today. He is Chief Executive Australia for NIB and he joins us because we do want to know just how health funds uh, private health funds are uh, helping their members. Yeah, I thought we'd get Edward along today to talk about um, how private health funds are assisting their members with um, with COVID issues, and 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 um, you know a lot of people are, are probably uh, struggling to pay their health premiums. And uh, I thought we'd just have a look at what what health funds have done in this area. So, Ed, what have what have they actually done on um, premiums and? people who can't um, pay their premiums and what can they do about that? Uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me, Stephen and Jane. And, and um, yeah, so, so at an industry level, uh, all, all, the, all the major funds and you know, many of the funds, and there, is, there are 37 of them um, across Australia, have been working really hard to, to ensure that we can support our members, uh, not only from an affordability and, and financial assistance perspective, but also from a, a health and wellbeing perspective, you know, particularly given the the heightened sense of awareness uh, and, and the, I guess, the, the downstream impacts of the health pandemic. Uh, so specifically, your funds have looked to, to operationalise relief packages, and you know that's uh, 
currently in the, the order of about half a billion dollars worth of uh, investment to support members. Uh, but some of the measures that have been adopted include uh, the, the postponement of uh, the April premium increase uh, through to October. Uh, there's also been a further extension from many funds to, to further defer that premium increase for those individuals across Australia on JobKeeper or JobSeeker. So we're trying to really now target our financial relief to, to those individuals that need it most. Um, in addition to that, we you know, there's been a range of financial suspension offerings. So you know, our members can effectively defer their payments outright for a period of up to six months. Um, as well as premium waivers to try and give those individuals as much relief as they can. Uh, I think outside of the financial uh, assistance piece, that it's been around broadening cover under your health insurance policy. So many funds have actually taken action to say, irrespective of what level of cover you're on, you're now covered for any COVID-related illness. And, you know, that's uh, talking, you know, wholesale coverage of whether you need to go to hospital or any sort of um, associated treatment because of COVID. So, you know, there's been a very swift action from, from the industry, which has been great to see. So, so if, um, if, if a member's having problems, um, paying, paying their premium for whatever reason, that what would, and they shouldn't just not pay it, they should what, give, give the fund a ring and just talk to someone there? Yeah, absolutely. So, so strongly encouraged. Just get get in touch with your your, your health fund. Uh, each health fund will have slightly varying different measures, but and, and probably treating it on a case by case basis. But absolutely, um, get in touch, and I'm I'm certain that, that they can assist you in some way. Whether that's suspending your cover, you know, for a period of time, and and during that time still being covered for COVID related treatment is is certainly one that's been widely adopted, um, or even if it's things like 30 days, 60 days premium relief, just if you just need a little bit of a helping hand uh, in the short to medium term, um, that relief should be available. So, yeah, strongly encourage you to get in touch. And, and one, of the, one of the big issues that's talked about with COVID is, um, uh, seems to be coming to the fore more and more lately, is people are having uh, mental mental issues. And, and um, so in this additional cover, you you some funds appear to be including um, extra psychology treatments and and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, at NIB, we, we've taken the approach to, um, at no additional cost, include up to $300 worth of benefits for all of our members with an extras uh, policy around psychology. Uh, and the good news is that that can be conducted via telehealth. So, you know, from the comfort of your own home or you know not needing to go face to face you can still now access those benefits and i know uh, uh, many other funds have also taken that approach um in addition to that you know because you're 100 percent right there is this increasing challenge around mental health and we are seeing that come through from a claims perspective as a, as a health insurer uh, now members anyone on a hospital policy um, also has an opportunity um, due to some recent reforms um, over the last couple of years to to access mental health services inside hospital as well, and they can do that um, uh, on a um, on a case by case occasion. But you know, there is definitely a range of options in that mental health space. It's such such an important issue. So that's been included in what the standard hospital policy, where it wasn't there before. Yeah, that's correct. So essentially, the way it works is anyone that's on a, a lower level uh, cover, and, and uh, you know, there's a categorisation from basic <laughs> bronze, silver, and gold, as, as many people would know. Um, so if you're not on gold, where and so anyone already on gold will automatically be covered for mental health admissions to hospital. Anyone not on gold now has the opportunity to 
effectively just step their cover up immediately without any kind of waiting period. Normally, you know, historically that would have been a 12-month wait. Um, and so we've effectively waived the waiting period, allowed those members to step up to gold immediately, and they can then be covered for, for mental health. Well, that's uh, that's that's quite important, I think, particularly what, with, with what we're seeing on the news almost every day of the week. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and yeah, we're seeing, seeing utilisation of that, um, which is great to see it is seeing widely used by members. I mean, not, not so good to see that the, the, the emergence mm. of the issues, but at least they have an option there to be able to get supported. And, and sort of that plus the additional telehealth psychology benefits um, seem to be uh, really well received by members. To and you are FM's Thursday Finance and Stim Pritchard and Ed Close is with us. And uh, Ed, well, certainly this year has been a big disruptive year for a lot of different people, a lot of different industries. And of course, there have been changes introduced in the health insurance industry as well. Yeah, so I, I never even heard of telehealth till this year. So um, the GP is doing it. So what other, what other uh, medical services are kind of being provided by telehealth do do we have some information yeah there's, yeah, there's, a, there's a range of services being provided uh, so psychology uh, physiotherapy dietetics uh, speech pathology uh, occupational therapy podiatry there is quite a range that are being um, offered by by health funds so yeah it can encourage you to, to get get in touch with your health insurer and they'll be able to give you a list of uh, I guess, available services just under your uh, level of cover. You know, there is some, some level of variability there, but it is, it is more wide, widespread, and I guess we are working with a, uh, a number of providers to try and get even more widespread adoption. Um, we see telehealth as here for good. It's such a critical part of the, the health ecosystem now, and you know, particularly off the back of this pandemic, how you can stay healthy from home is, is just so important. So we've seen quite strong uptake from our members and across the broader industry, so it seems to be being well received. And and some of the funds have introduced um, some kind of 24-7 um, assistant lines that cover things other than than medical, uh, non-medical assistance. So what, what what's incorporated in that? Yeah, so, so we were one of the funds to, to do that and some of the other major funds have, have also taken that approach. Essentially, the 24-7 hotline is just giving people some some confidence that irrespective of if it's a health insurance-related question or it could be a COVID-related question uh, or just a broader uh, healthcare uh, question around how to navigate you know, the, the system in, in, in this new environment, uh, that, that hotline has been set up to, to basically sort of give that concierge and guidance that, to members so across a range of different factors. So you know, sometimes we'll end up doing a warm transfer across to other government services if, if, it's, if it's appropriate, but... Uh, Generally, generally, our teams are there to sort of broadly support members just beyond the health insurance queries. Right. So, if they've got they've got some some question that you know it's related to health, um, they they can kind of ring up after five o'clock now, and someone will answer the phone or six o'clock yep. or whatever the time was before. And yeah, they, that's, that's yeah, correct. Yeah. So, if someone's got to go to hospital or something, they can kind of ring up and ask whether they're covered and. So that, that, that's 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 Correct. quite that's quite good, and I noticed that some of the uh, uh, a number of businesses seem to be running these online classes as well, and so some of the health funds seem to have got into on on that as well. So, so what what sort of online classes are the health funds kind of running? 
Yeah, there's been there's been really strong um, uptake of some of the the digitally enabled, uh, whether they be fitness classes. So you'll see a lot of those sort of app based, um, activity based um, classes popping up. So yoga, Pilates, you know, might be sort of body workouts at home. Uh, yeah, and, and that sort of you know even right through to nutrition and and just how you can sort of uh, a lot of things around mindfulness as well. So things that you can do in a more isolated um, and individualised environment. And, again, there's been really good buy-in from that. And I think, uh, you know, we've seen an emergence of a number of digital-led players in this space. So I think we'll see more and more of that. Um, People's awareness around preventative health has definitely definitely increased during the pandemic. And we've had a lot of requests, uh, you know, from members at our health fund to sort of say, well, what are you providing in terms of value beyond health insurance? And so we've been able to really support them with, with those types of services that you mentioned. So they can just go on to the, their health funds website and see what's being offered there? That's right, yeah. Jump on jump online and, and have a look. Um, some, some of those offerings are sitting inside uh, rewards and loyalty programs, so you know, it might be exclusive to members. So, so jump on and it could be either a discounted offer or complimentary classes. Uh, so, yeah, each individual health fund will vary, but, yeah, online would be the best place to go. And so have you got any, um, do you, is there any, are health funds generally providing information on COVID and, and testing or, or where the hotspots are or do you need to go to some other government site for that? Largely, I would I would still encourage to go to the government uh, sites for those types of queries, just because of the the um, you know that is the source of truth. They are being updated uh, you know very frequently. We are providing uh, a range of I guess supplementary information, so probably less so around daily you know daily counts and and tracking, uh, but very much around more health and wellbeing content. You know symptoms and signs to look out for if you if you believe that you've got the flu or or you know, looking to do a test on with for COVID nineteen. So that health and wellbeing content is very much um, to the fore from a health insurer. But any kind of specific, um, you know, where's a hotspot or you know, the the government websites are absolutely the one to go to first and foremost. So it sounds to me there's a, the the the, the COVID's caused health funds to a certain extent to to rethink what they're offering to their to their members and to the community generally in trying to broaden the broaden the service offerings and 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 see how they can assist members the best they can. So I think yeah, I th- ab- absolutely. I think it's been a, a real accelerant in terms of you know, despite all the, the despair and tragedy that, that COVID has caused across the globe, it has really accelerated um, the, the reliance on digital um, initiated health. Uh, as you as you suggested, we've really broadened our value proposition now to to be you know still integral about health insurance and financially protecting our members, but it's also you know have a much bigger role and. Um, you know, at NIB, this was very much core to our strategy prior to COVID, and now we're seeing it accelerate. But how can health insurers play a bigger role in connecting individuals with the healthcare system, be that doctor, hospital, you know, general treatment, GP, uh, but also then empowering you know, members to say, well, how can I actually make better decisions about my my healthcare, and how do I start to take a, a more individualised focus and preventative focus around health, you know, so that I can get on that right trajectory um, so that I can avoid hospitalisation and, and, you know, prevention better than cure. As we all know, it really is around empowering prevention now. 
As someone who's been in hospital, um, you want to try and avoid that as much as you can. It's it's no holiday in there. It might be expensive, but it's no holiday. Um, That's right. Uh, thanks for coming on, Ed. Uh, I've kind of I've kind of learned quite a few here things that I didn't know the health funds were doing here today. Yeah, very much. Thank you indeed. I echo that. Edward Close, Chief Executive for Australia from NIB and Thursday Finance. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.